Gracious God and Father, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable in your sight through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. So before we get into the sermon outline, that's on page 11, I want us to take a kind of a quick look at the gospel reading for this evening on page 10. Let's take kind of a quick walk through there. I'll make a few comments, then we'll get to the outline. Uh, Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 11, we read this. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. Now, this is part of the travel narrative, and from Luke chapter 9 on through, I believe, it's chapter, I don't know, 19 or 20, he's traveling to Jerusalem. He will fulfill his mission. He's born to die for the sins of the world. You and I know that. We need to remember it. Verse 12, and as he entered a village, he was met by, unfortunate translation here, 10 lepers. You know, Luke is a physician. And for Luke, the disease does not swallow up the humanity of the person. The person is more than the disease. And so Luke writes not leprous, uh, not 10 lepers, but he writes 10 leprous men. He doesn't neglect their humanity. The illness does not overshadow the humanity. Luke does this elsewhere when he describes illness. He doesn't refer to a demoniac. He refers to a man with a demon. See, capturing the humanity. He doesn't refer to paralytics. He refers to a paralyzed man. Again, emphasizing the man's humanity. It may seem like a minor point, but it's worth making. He was met by 10 leprous men who stood at a distance. Now, I've just got out of COVID confinement, uh, coming back from Israel. I fortunately didn't contract it really while I was in Israel, but I, I was leaving and I came down with it, but I had to isolate for five days. And that's no fun. Illness isolates. Sin does the same thing. Sin creates distance between people. Jesus and his forgiveness overcomes that distance. He will overcome it in the gospel lesson as well. They stood at a distance. They lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now notice, they don't ask for healing. Maybe that's obvious. That's the obvious need. They're leprous men. They keep their distance, as they're supposed to. But it's kind of a roundabout way of asking for healing, a polite way. We're not going to come right out and state what we need. We think you know. Have mercy. And it's interesting, Jesus never mentions their disease either. He says, go show yourselves to the priests. Again, a roundabout way of saying, you're healed, without mentioning it. Verse 14. 
when he saw them, he said to them. And I think the seeing here is significant. When, when the Lord sees his people in Egypt, he's coming to their rescue. When, when Jesus sees the leprous men, he's on the way, help is on the way. And that is, I think, reflected, and we'll see this in the next verse, in oh, verse 15. The leprous man saw that he was healed. He's seeing more than healing here. There's, this sight is salvific. When he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priest. Now, now think about that. Jesus speaks to them as if they're already healed. They're still leprous men. And yet he speaks as if they no longer are. Which, by the way, is the way Jesus speaks to you and me. He declares us right before God. He declares us, he speaks us Holy. You and I don't look holy. <laughs> we don't always act holy. But Jesus speaks to us as if we are, because in the sight of God, we are. This is the language of justification. Imputed righteousness. God speaks it, and it is so, even though we do not yet see that reality with our eyes. Someday we will see it with our eyes. When we appear in glory, glory is holiness made visible. Then it will become apparent who we are and what we are. But now it's hidden. Beneath this frail flesh, our holiness is real because God speaks it so. Verse 15. Well, as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. That, that's faith in action, is it not? Go, show yourselves to the priest. You're still leprous. Well, okay, I'll go. And as they go, they're cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw, again, this seeing is more, it's more than seeing his cleansing. He's seeing the source of his cleansing now. When he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. We'll say more about that shortly. Now, he was a Samaritan, implying the others were Israelites, people of God. Then Jesus answered. We're not, now notice three questions in a row. And, and these are expressions of frustration on the part of Jesus. We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? 
I think Jesus is frustrated, possibly with his own people. The foreigner demonstrates the proper response. My people don't. Basically, Jesus, and this I'm just borrowing this from one of our professors in Fort Wayne. Basically, Jesus is asking, where the H are they? And he said to them, to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has, oh, and I love this in the Greek, your faith has saved you. And, you know, they translate made you well because the context is one of physical cleansing or healing. So that must be what Jesus really means. But, you know, there's another word for that. There's a word for healing, and it's not used here. It's the word for salvation. That's the word that's used. I'm going to take Jesus as word, okay? Your faith has saved you. So, Roman numeral one, page 11. <clears throat> You know, being Jesus is a thankless job. It really is. If you go through the Gospels and count up how many times he's thanked or praised, they're few. <laughs> they're few. Usually he's complained about, he's criticized, he's questioned. And why not? He's doing God's work. That's going to raise questions and, and, and uh, earn criticism, will it not? So being Jesus is a bit of a thankless job. Letter A, nine people, these are Israelites, nine people were cleansed, and that's all. Cleansed and nothing more. Letter B, a foreigner is cleansed, plus much more. He saw Verse 15, he saw that he was cleansed, and he's seeing more than cleansing. He's seeing the source of it. And notice, verse 15, he turned back. That's another expression for repentance. It's a turning around, changing direction. He is praising God. He's giving thanks. And he's found was no one found to return and to give praise to God except this foreigner. That's salvation. He's found. And he is saved. Your faith has saved you. More than cleansing is going on here. So what's the difference? Let her see. What's, what's the difference? Well, we're not told. So allow me to put myself in the shoes of the nine, because I think if I was one of the nine, I would be thinking this. I would be anticipating what I'm going to do next. If I were one of the nine, I would anticipate connecting with my family. I've been separated from them for who knows how long, and I want to see my loved ones. I want to go home. I look forward to familiar places, 
that I have not seen in a long time and people I have not seen or spoken with in a long time. Maybe going back to work, my profession, whatever it was. I'm anticipating all these things. All of these things are crowding my windshield. I'm looking ahead to these things. I'm anticipating. But not the one. The other one is reflecting. His eyes are on the rearview mirror, not on the windshield. He's looking back to what's just happened. So it's the difference between anticipation, which is a forward look, and reflection, which is a purposeful look backward. And it is reflection that is the source of gratitude. Thankfulness. Roman numeral two. God loves to give. He loves to give. The psalmist wrote, the eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and you satisfy the desires of every living thing. That's God. And he gives us all things for the sake of Christ. Paul makes that clear in Romans chapter 8. Together with him, the crucified one, God freely gives us all things not just some, but everything comes to you through the cross. God loves to give, and he has created us to receive. That's our job. Like Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus while Martha's up, busy working. Mary's welcoming the Lord in the proper way by receiving what he has to give. That's our part. We receive. God gives. And it's that reception and the remembrance of it that creates the praise. He's created us to receive. He's created us to praise. Letter A, the goal of God's grace is gratitude. Thankfulness. That's the goal of all of God's giving. Now that may seem selfish on the part of God, that he would give to us so many things for the purpose of our thanking him, but there's more to that. We need to praise God, and we're lost when we don't. I'm going to skip down to letter C. God does not need our praise, but we do. We need our praise. Because if we're not praising God for what he's done, we're praising someone else. We're idolizing others in his place. If we're not praising him, we're giving our praise, we're, we're scattering it elsewhere on those who cannot save, who cannot forgive, who cannot deliver. That's wasted breath, and it's fruitless. Our praise must be directed to the one who can save and does, who can deliver and does, who forgives. He's the only God who can save, the only one worthy of praise. He does not need what we have to give. We need what we have to give. It must be directed to him. 
letter B. Gratitude toward God is always Christ-centered. It's always Christocentric. The man returns. He falls on his face at the feet of Jesus. That's how you praise God. It's at the feet of Christ. Nowhere else. We don't choose the time and place to praise God. God determines that for us. It is at the feet of Christ. To praise the Son is to praise the Father. If you want to see God, you must look at Jesus. If you want to hear God, you must listen to Jesus. If you want to know God and what he's doing, you better pay attention to Jesus. Gratitude toward God is always Christ-centered. Apart from Jesus, there's no gratitude toward God. In letter D, we experience gratitude by remembering what Christ has done. By remembering. And I bring to your attention again the first reading for this evening on page 8, Deuteronomy chapter 8, uh, Verse 2, and you shall remember the whole way the Lord your God has led you these 40 years. Verse 4, your clothing did not wear out on you. Your foot did not swell these 40 years. That word remember is one of the most important words in the book of Deuteronomy, and it's one of the most important words in the Bible. We are to remember what the Lord has done. I was watching, I think it was Monday morning this week, um, one of the morning shows, I don't know if it was CBS or NBC, what it was, but um, they were interviewing a psychologist, and the subject was happy children, how to raise a happy child. And you know what they said? Teach the child gratitude. And they gave some pointers on how to do that, you know, keeping a gratitude journal and that sort of thing. I think Harriet does that. Keeps a journal of gratitude. That's one of the keys to, from a secular perspective, what they call happiness. It's good advice. You know, it does no good for me to stand up here and to tell you to be more grateful or to try harder to be thankful. That does no good. That is the way of the law. It is not the way of the gospel. It is my job to remind you what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for you, and we do that every divine service. And like the leprous man in our gospel reading for tonight, you and I were once dead to God, but we've been made alive in Christ. Like the leprous man, we were at one time lost to God, but now we've been found in Christ. And like the leprous man, we had once been blind to God and to the things of God, but now we see God in the person of Jesus Christ, his Son. Now that is the gospel. And wherever that gospel is proclaimed, gratitude results, praise happens. And when praise happens, we fulfill our calling. 
we accomplish our purpose. We are created to praise Him and no other. We have no better reason to praise Him than for what He has done for us and for all the world through His Son, Jesus. In His name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.